0: If you would please turn to Exodus chapter 12. If you would, I want you to help me read Exodus 12 1 through 32. If we don't mind, uh, let's start over here. Read a few verses. We'll go around read as many as you want. Exodus 12, 1 through 32. And
1: the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year unto you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to the father's house, a lamb for a household, and if the household is too small for a lamb, and he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb must be a per- must be perfect, a male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must care for it until the fourteenth day of the month, and then the whole community of Israel will kill it around the then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roast it on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat. Eat not of it raw or sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is Jehovah's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall for you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord. Throughout your generations, a statue forever you shall Seven days you shall eat from living bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone eats to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread, because on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats that what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall not, eat, or you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. When Jehovah goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come to the land that Jehovah will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. When your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt and he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive, who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house. Where someone who was not dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people both ye e and the children of Israel and go, serve the Lord as you have said. And also take your flocks and your heart as ye have said and be gone and bless me also.
0: Thank you. The scripture of the Exodus of the Hebrews has been read, and the words of the mystery have been declared, how the sheep was sacrificed, how the people was saved, and how Pharaoh was flogged by the mystery. Therefore, well beloved understand, how the mystery of the Pascha is both new and old, eternal and provisional, perishable and imperishable, mortal and immortal. It is old With respect to the law, new with respect to the word, provisional with respect to the type, yet everlasting through grace. It is perishable because of the slaughter of the sheep. It is imperishable because of the life of the Lord. It is mortal because of the burial in the ground, immortal because of the resurrection from the dead. For the law is old, but the word is new. The type is provisional, but grace is everlasting. The sheep is perishable, but the Lord, not broken as a lamb, but raised up as God, is imperishable. For though led to the slaughter like a sheep, he was no sheep. Though speechless as a lamb, neither yet was he a lamb. For there was once a type, but now the reality has appeared. For instead of the lamb there was a son, instead of the sheep a man. In the man was Christ, encompassing all things. So the slaughter of the sheep, and the sacrificial procession of the blood, and the writing of the law encompass Christ, on whose account everything in the previous law took place, though better in the new dispensation. For the law was a word, and the old was new, going out from Zion and Jerusalem, and the commandment was grace, and the type was a reality, and the lamb was a son, and the sheep was a man, and the man was God." For he was born a son, and led as a sheep, and slaughtered as a sheep, and buried as a man, and rose from the dead as God, being God by his nature, and a man. He is all things. He is law, in that he judges. He is word, in that he teaches. He is grace, in that he saves. He is son, in that he is begotten. He is sheep, in that he suffers. He is human, in that he is buried. He is God. And that he is raised up. This is Jesus the Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the mystery of the Pascha. Just as it is written in the law, which was read a little while ago, I shall narrate the scriptural story, how he gave command to Moses in Egypt, and when wanting to flog Pharaoh and to free Israel from flogging through the hand of Moses. Look, he says, you shall take a lamb. Without spot or blemish. And toward the evening, slaughter it with the sons of Israel, and eat it at night with haste. And not a bone of it shall you break. This is what you shall do, he says. You shall eat it in one night by families and tribes with your loins girded up, with staves in your hands. This is the Pascha of the Lord, a commemoration to the sons of Israel forever. Taking the blood of the sheep, you shall anoint the front doors of your houses, putting blood on the doorpost and the entrances, the sign of the blood to avert the angel. For behold, I shall strike Egypt, and in one night shall both beast and man be made childless. Then Moses, having slaughtered the sheep, and performed the mystery at night with the sons of Israel, sealed the doors of the houses to protect the people, to avert the angel. But while the sheep is being slaughtered, And the Pascha is being eaten, and the mystery is completed, and the people is rejoicing, and Israel is being sealed. Then came the angel to strike Egypt, those uninitiated in the mystery, those with no part in the Pascha, those not sealed by the blood, those not guarded by the Spirit, the hostile, the faithless. In one night he struck them and made them childless." For the angel had passed by Israel, and seen him sealed by the blood of the sheep. He fell upon Egypt. He tamed stiff-necked Pharaoh with grief, clothing him, not with a garment of gray, nor with a tunic all torn, but with all Egypt, torn and grieving for her firstborn. For all Egypt was pained and grieving, in tears and mourning, and came to Pharaoh stricken with woe, not outwardly, but inwardly. Not only were her garments torn, but also her delicate breasts. It was indeed a strange spectacle. Here are people beating their breasts. There are people wailing. And grief-stricken Pharaoh in the middle. Seated on sackcloth and ashes. Palpable darkness thrown around him as a mourning cloak. Clad in all Egypt. Like a tunic of grief. For Egypt was surrounding Pharaoh like a robe of wailing. Such a tunic was woven for the tyrannical body. With such a garment did the angel of justice clothe unyielding Pharaoh. Bitter grief... And palpable darkness, and a strange childlessness, the loss of her firstborn. The death of the firstborn was swift and greedy. It was a strange trophy on which to gaze upon those falling dead in one moment, and the food of death was the defeat of the prostrate. Listen and wonder at a new disaster. And these things enclosed the Egyptians' long night palpable darkness, death grasping, the angel squeezing out the life, and Hades gulping down the firstborn. But the strangest and most terrifying thing you are yet to hear in the palpable darkness hid untouchable death. And the wretched Egyptians were grasping the darkness while the death sought out and grasped the Egyptian firstborn at the angel's command. If anyone grasped the darkness And he was pulled away by death. And one of the firstborn, grasping the material darkness in his hand, as his life was stripped away, cried out in distress and terror, Whom does my hand hold? Whom does my soul dread? Who is the dark one enfolding my whole body? If it is a father, help me. If it is a mother, comfort me. If it is a brother, speak to me. If it is a friend, support me. If it is an enemy, depart from me, for I am a firstborn. Before the firstborn fell silent, the long silence held him and spoke to him, "'You are my firstborn. I am your destiny, the silence of death.'" Another firstborn, perceiving the seizure of the firstborn, denied himself so not bitterly to die. "'I am not a firstborn. I was begotten third. But the one who could not be deceived fastened on the firstborn who fell down silently. At one moment, the firstborn fruit of the Egyptians was destroyed." The first begotten, the firstborn, not only human, but of dumb beasts, and desired, and the loved one was dashed downward. A lowing was heard in the plains of the land, the moaning of beasts over their sucklings, the cow with sucking calf, and horse with a foal, and the rest of the beast bearing young and carrying milk. And their moaning over their firstborn was bitter and piteous. At the human loss there was howling and grief over the dead firstborn. It was a terrible spectacle to watch. The mothers of the Egyptians with hair undone, the fathers with minds undone, wailing terribly in the Egyptian tongue. By evil chance, we are bereaved in a moment of our firstborn children. They were beating their breasts. They were tapping time with their hands for the dance of the dead. Such was the calamity that surrounded Egypt and made her suddenly childless. Israel was guarded by the slaughter of the sheep, and was illuminated by the shedding of blood. And the death of the sheep was a wall for the people. Oh strange, an ineffable mystery! The slaughter of the sheep was Israel's salvation, and the death of the sheep was a life for the people, and the blood averted the angel. Tell me, angel, who turned you away? The slaughter of the sheep or the life of the Lord? The death of the sheep or the type of the Lord? The blood of the sheep or the spirit of the Lord? It is clear that you turned away, seeing the mystery of the Lord and the sheep, and the life of the Lord, and the slaughter of the sheep, and the type of the Lord, and the death of the sheep. Therefore you struck not Israel down, but made Egypt alone childless. What is this strange mystery? That Egypt is struck down for destruction, and Israel guarded for salvation? Listen to the meaning of the mystery. Nothing beloved is spoken or made without an analogy and a sketch. For everything which is made and spoken has its analogy. What is spoken is an analogy. What is made a prototype. And that whatever is made may be perceived through the prototype, and whatever is spoken clarified by the illustration. This is what occurs in the case of a first draft. It is not a finished work, but exists so that, through the model, that which is to be seen can be seen. Therefore, a preliminary sketch is made of what is to be, of wax or of clay or of wood, so that what will come about taller in height and greater in strength and more attractive in shape. And wealthier in workmanship can be seen through the small and provisional sketch. When the thing comes about, which the sketch with a type, that which was to be, of which the type bore the likeness, then the type is destroyed. It has become useless. It yields up the image to what is truly real. What was once valuable becomes worthless, and what is of true value appears. To each, then, is its own time. The type has its own time. The material has its own time. The reality has its own time. When you construct the model, you require it, because in it you can see the image of what is to be. You prepare the material before the model. You require it because of what will come about from it. You complete the work, and that alone you require, that alone you desire. Because only then, only there, can you see the type and the material and the reality. So then, just as with the provisional examples, so it is with eternal things. As it is with things on earth, so it is with things in heaven. For indeed, the Lord's salvation and His truth were prefigured in the people, and the decrees of the gospel were proclaimed in advance by the law. Thus the people was a type, like a preliminary sketch, and the law was a writing of an analogy. The gospel is the narrative and fulfillment of the law, and the church is the repository of reality. So the type was valuable in advance of the reality, and the illustration was wonderful before its hallucination. So the people were valuable before the church arose, and the law was wonderful before the illumination of the gospel. But when the church arose and the gospel came to be, the type depleted gave up meaning to the truth, and the law fulfilled gave up meaning to the gospel. In the same way that the type is depleted, conceding the image to what is intrinsically real, and the analogy is brought to completion through the elucidation of interpretation, so the law is fulfilled. By the elucidation of the gospel. And the people is depleted by the arising of the church. And the model is dissolved by the appearance of the Lord. And today those things of value are worthless, since the things of true worth have been revealed. For then the slaughter of the sheep was of value, now it is worthless because of the Lord's life. The death of the sheep was of value, now it is worthless because of the Lord's salvation. The blood of the sheep was of value, now it is worthless because of the Lord's Spirit. The dumb lamb was of value, now it is worthless because of the sun without spot. The temple below was of value, now it is worthless because of the heavenly Christ. The Jerusalem below was of value, now it is worthless because of the heavenly Jerusalem. Once the narrow inheritance was of value, now it is worthless because of the breadth of grace. For it is not in on one place, nor in a narrow plot, that the glory of God is established, but on all of the earth. For his grace has been poured out, and the Almighty God has made his dwelling there, through Christ our Lord, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You have heard the narrative of the type and its correspondence. Here now the confirmation of the mystery. What is the Pascha? A story of suffering. Therefore, learn one. Learn who is the suffering one, and who shares in the sufferings of one's suffering, and why the Lord is present on the earth to surround himself with the suffering one and take him to the heights of heaven. God, in the beginning, having made the heaven and earth and all in them through the word, formed humanity from the earth and shared his own breath. He set him in the garden in the east in Eden, there to rejoice. There he laid down for him the law through his commandment. Eat food from all the trees in the garden, yet eat not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the day that you eat, you shall die." The man was susceptible by nature of good and evil, as a clod of earth may receive seed of either kind. And he consented to the wicked and seductive counselor, and stretched out for the tree, and broke the commandment, and disobeyed God. For this was, was he thrown out of the world, condemned as though in prison. This man became fecund and long-lived, yet through tasting of the tree he was destroyed." and was dissolved into the earth. He left an inheritance to his children, and as an inheritance he left his children, not purity, but lust, not incorruption, but decay, not freedom, but dishonor, not sovereignty, but tyranny, not life, but death, not salvation, but destruction. Strange and terrible was the destruction of people on earth, for these things attended them. They were grasped by tyrannical sin, and they were led to the land of sensuality, where they were swamped in unsatisfying pleasures. The father took up a sword against his son. The son laid hands upon his father and impiously struck the breast of which fed him. And brother killed brother, and host harmed guest, friend murdered friend, and man struck down man with a tyrannical right hand. Everyone became murderers, parricides, infanticides, fratricides, everyone on earth. Many other bizarre and most terrible and dissolute things took, took place among the people. A father went to bed with his child, a son with his mother, and a brother with his sister, and a male with a male, and each was braying for his neighbor's wife. Sin rejoiced in all of this working together with death, making forays into human souls, and preparing bodies of the dead as his food. Sin set his sign on everyone, and those on whom he etched his mark were doomed to death. All flesh fell under sin, and every body under death. And every soul was plucked up from its dwelling of flesh. And that which was taken from the dust was reduced to dust. And the gift of God was locked away in Hades." What was marvelously knit together was unraveled, and the beautiful body divided. Humanity was doled out by death, for a strange disaster and captivity surrounded him. He was dragged off a captive under the shadow of death, and the Father's image was left desolate. For this reason, in the body of the Lord, is the paschal mystery completed. The Lord made advance preparation for his own suffering, in the patriarchs, and in the prophets, and in the whole people. "'Through the law and the prophets he sealed them. "'That which more recently and most excellently came to pass, "'he arranged from of old. "'For when it would come to pass, it would find faith, "'having been foreseen of old. "'Thus the mystery of the Lord, "'prefigured from old through the vision of a type, "'is fulfilled today and has found faith, "'even though people think it is something new. "'For the mystery of the Lord is both new and old, "'old with respect to the law, "'but new with respect to grace.' But if you scrutinize the type through its outcome, you will discern him. Thus, if you wish to see the mystery of the Lord, look at Abel, who was likewise slain, at Isaac, who was likewise tied up, at Joseph, who was likewise traded, at Moses, who was likewise exposed, at David, who was likewise hunted down, at the prophets, who likewise suffer for the sake of Christ. And look at the sheep slaughtered. In the land of Egypt, which saved Israel through its blood while Egypt was struck down. The mystery of the Lord is proclaimed through the prophetic voice. For Moses says to the people, And you shall look upon your life hanging before your eyes night and day, and you will not have faith in your life. That's from Deuteronomy. David says, Why have the nations been haughty, and the peoples imagined vain things? The kings of the earth stood by, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. Psalm 2. Jeremiah says, I am like a harmless lamb led to sacrifice. They planned evil for me, saying, Come, let us put wood on his bread, and let us rub him out of the land of the living. And his name shall not be remembered. Jeremiah 11. And Isaiah says, Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a silent lamb before its shearers he goes, he does not open his mouth. Who shall tell of his generation? Isaiah 53. Many other things were proclaimed by many prophets concerning the mystery of the Pascha, who is Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. This is the one who comes from heaven unto the earth for the suffering one, and wraps himself in the suffering one through a virgin womb, and comes as a man. He accepted the suffering of the suffering one, through suffering in a body, which could suffer, and set free the flesh from suffering. Through the spirit which cannot die, he slew the manslayer. He is the one led like a lamb and slaughtered like a sheep. He ransomed us from the worship of the world as from the land of Egypt. He set us free from the slavery of the devil as from the hand of Pharaoh and sealed our souls with his own spirit and the members of our body with his blood. This is the one who clad death in shame and, as Moses did to Pharaoh, made the devil grieve. This is the one who struck down lawlessness and made injustice Childless, as Moses did to Egypt. This is the one who delivered us from slavery to freedom, from darkness into light, from death into life, from tyranny into an eternal kingdom, and made us a new priesthood and a people everlasting for himself. This is the Pascha of our salvation. This is the one who, in many people, endured many things. This is the one who was murdered in Abel. "'Tied up in Isaac, exiled in Jacob, sold in Joseph, exposed in Moses, "'slaughtered in the Lamb, hunted down in David, dishonored in the prophets. "'This is the one made flesh in a virgin, who is hanged on a tree, "'buried on the earth, who is raised from the dead, And exalted to the heights of heaven. This is the Lamb slain. This is the speechless Lamb. This is the one born of the Mary, the fair ewe. This is the one taken from the flock and led to slaughter, who was sacrificed in the evening, who was not broken on the tree, who was not undone in the earth, who rose from the dead and resurrected mankind from the grave below. This is the one who has been murdered. And where murdered? In the middle of Jerusalem. By whom? By Israel why because he healed their lame and cleansed their lepers and enlightened their blind and raised up their dead and therefore he died what in strange injustice have you done O Israel you have dishonored the one who honored you you have disgraced the one who glorified you you have denied the one who owned you you have ignored the one who made you known you've murdered the one who gave you life O Israel, what have you done? Is it not written for you? You shall not spill innocent blood, so that you might not die the death of the wicked. I, said Israel, I killed the Lord. Why? Because he had to die. You have erred, O Israel, to reason so about the slaughter of the Lord. He had to suffer, but not through you. He had to be dishonored, but not by you. He had to be judged, but not by you. He had to be hung up. But not by you, and by your right hand. This, O Israel, is the cry which you should have called to God. O Master, if your son should suffer, and this is your will, let him suffer indeed. But not by me. Let him suffer through foreigners. Let him be judged by the uncircumcised. Let him be nailed in place by a tyrannical right hand. Not mine. With this cry, O Israel, you did not call out to God. Nor did you devote yourselves to the Master. Nor did you regard for his works. You did not have regard for the withered hand restored to its body, nor the eyes of the man opened by a hand, nor limp bodies made strong through a voice, nor did you regard the strangest of signs. A corpse, four days dead, called alive from a tomb. You put these things to one side. You hurried to the slaughter of the Lord. You prepared for him sharp nails and false witnesses, and ropes and whips and vinegar and gall, and a sword and torture as against a murderous thief. And while you were rejoicing he was starving. You were drinking wine, and, and eating bread, he had vinegar and gall. You were your face was bright, whereas his face was cast down. You were triumphant while he was afflicted. You were making music while he was being judged. You were proposing toasts. He was being nailed in place. You were dancing. He was buried. You were reclining on a cushioned couch. He in grave and coffin. O lawless Israel, what is this new injustice you have done? Casting strange sufferings on your Lord, your master who formed you, who made you, who honored you, who called you Israel. You were not Israel. You did not see God. You did not perceive the Lord, Israel. You did not recognize the firstborn of God, begotten before the morning star, who adorned the light, who lit up the day, who divided the darkness, who fixed the first boundary, who hung the earth, who tamed the abyss, who stretched out the firmament, who furnished the world, who arranged the stars in heaven, who lit up the great lights, who made the angels in heaven, who there established thrones, who formed humanity on the earth. It was He who chose you and led you from Adam to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac and Jacob and the twelve patriarchs. He it was who led you into Egypt and guarded you there and sustained you. He it was who lit up your way with a pillar and sheltered you with a cloud. He cut the Red Sea open, leading you through, and destroyed the, the enemy. He it is who gave you manna from heaven, who gave you drink from a rock, Who gave you the law at Horeb, who gave you the inheritance of the land, who sent you the prophets, who raised kings up for you. He it is who, coming to you, healed your suffering and raised your dead. He it is whom you outraged. He it is whom you blasphemed. He it is whom you oppressed. He it is whom you killed. Ungrateful Israel, come to trial with me concerning your ingratitude. How did you find, how much did you value being formed by him? How much did you value the finding of your fathers? How much did you value the descent into Egypt and your refreshment there under Joseph the just? How much did you value the ten plagues? How much did you value the pillar by night? How much the cloud by day and the crossing of the Red Sea? How much did you value the heavenly gift of manna and the water rushing from the rock and the giving of the law at Horeb and the allotment of the land and the gifts given there? His gifts to you are beyond price, yet you held them worthless when you thanked him, repaying him with ungrateful acts, evil for good, affliction for joy, and death for life. On this account, you had to die. For if the king of a nation is seized by enemies, a war is fought on his account." A wall is breached on his account. A city is ransacked on his account. Ransoms are sent on his account. envoys are sent off on his account, so that he might be brought back alive, or buried if he is dead. But you cast the vote of opposition against your Lord, whom the Gentiles worshipped, at whom the uncircumcised marvel, whom the foreigners glorified. Over whom even Pilate washed his hands, for you killed him at the great feast. Therefore, the feast of unleavened bread is bitter for you. As it is written, you shall eat unleavened bread with bitterness. The false witnesses you set up are bitter for you. The ropes you prepared are bitter for you. The Judas you hired is bitter for you. The Herod you followed is bitter for you. The gall you cooked up is bitter for you. The vinegar you produced is bitter for you. You killed the Lord. In the middle, of Jerusalem. Listen, all you families of the nations, and see, a strange murder has occurred in the middle of Jerusalem, in the city of the law, in the city of the Hebrews, in the city of the prophets, in the city reckoned righteous. And who has been murdered? Who is the killer? I'm ashamed to say, and I'm obliged to tell, for if the murder took place by night, and if he was slaughtered in a deserted place, I might have been able to keep silent. Now in the middle of the street, Now in the middle of the city, in the middle of the day, before the public gaze, the unjust murder of a just man has taken place. And so he is lifted up on a tall tree and a placard attached to show who has been murdered. Who is it to say is hard and not to say yet is more fearful? Listen then. Shuddering at him at through whom the earth shook, he who hung the earth is hanging. He who fixed the heavens in place has been fixed in place. He who laid the foundations of the universe has been laid on a tree. The master has been profaned. God has been murdered." O mystifying murder, O mystifying injustice! The master is obscured by his body exposed, and is not held worthy of a veil to shield him from view. For this reason the great lights turned away, and the day was turned to darkness, to hide the one denuded on the tree, obscuring not the body of the Lord, but human eyes. For when the people did not tremble, the earth shook. And when the people did not fear, the heavens were afraid. And when the people did not rend their garments, the angel rent his own. When the people did not lament, the Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High gave voice. Therefore, Israel... You did not shudder at the presence of the Lord. You have trembled and battled by foes. You did not fear the Lord. You did not lament the Lord. So you lamented your firstborn. When the Lord was hung up, you did not rend your clothing. So you tore, so you tore them over the fallen. You disowned the Lord and so are not owned by him. You did not receive the Lord. So you were not pitied by him. You smashed the Lord to the ground. You were raised to the ground and you lie dead. And while he rose from the dead, and is raised from the heights of heaven, the Lord clothed himself with humanity, and with suffering on behalf of the suffering one, and bound on behalf of the one constrained, and judged on behalf of the one convicted, and buried on behalf of the one entombed, rose from the dead, and cried out aloud. Christ says, Who takes issue with me? Let him stand before me. I set free the condemned. I give life to the dead. I raise up the entombed. Who will contradict me? It is I, says the Christ. I am he who destroys death and triumphs over the enemy and crushes Hades and binds the strong man and bears humanity off to the heavenly heights. It is I, says the Christ. So come all families of the people, adulterated with sin and receiving forgiveness of sins. For I am your freedom. I am the Pascha of salvation. I am the lamb slaughtered for you. I am your ransom. I am your life. I am your light. I am your salvation. I am your resurrection. I am your king. I shall raise you up by my right hand. I will lead you to the heights of heaven. And there shall I show you the everlasting Father. He it is who made the heaven and the earth and formed humanity in the beginning of who was proclaimed through the law and the prophets, who took flesh from a virgin, who was hung on a tree, was buried in the earth, was raised from the dead, and ascended to the heights of heaven, who sat, sits at the right hand of the Father, and who has the power to save all things, through whom the Father acted from the beginning and forever. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the beginning and the end, the ineffable beginning and the incomprehensible end. This is Christ. This is the King. This is Jesus. This is the Commander. This is the Lord. This is he who rose from the dead. This is he who sits at the right hand of the Father. He bears the Father and is born by him. To him be the glory and might forever. Amen. That was an Easter sermon. I did not write it. You might have guessed. I'm not, I'm not as eloquent as this man. This is um, when he speaks of the old is made new and is recent. From his perspective, it actually all was fairly recent. We look back at the events of the Gospel as a long time ago, and in a sense they are a long time ago. That's almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, this is our, that was our oldest sermon. All right? This is our oldest sermon that has survived from the ancient world. This is written by a man named Malito. This was a sermon preached somewhere around 180-170. So that sermon, which we will find a lot of theological affinity with, as you probably noticed, um, this sermon is about 1,850 years old. Yet it's, it's theologically exactly what we would preach. And it's the kind of thing that we should focus on today. Now there's one element of this, and I'll... I don't want to end with this note. There's one element of this that he would spend a whole lot more time focusing on than we would. All right, And that would be the Israelite side of things. Obviously, when we talk about Easter, we have to talk about the fact that, well, Jesus was killed. And whose hand was he killed? He was killed by the Romans. Why was he killed by the Romans? Well, because of the leadership of Jerusalem. They pushed this to happen. All right. He mentioned in his sermon, Pilate. Pilate tried to to keep this from happening. He had his hand forced. Alright, that was a uh, something that Mr. Melito here, he was a bishop of Sardis, by the way, in Asia Minor. Um, this is something he pointed out. But there was a lot of focus there for him. And a lot of that is because he's really reflecting on events in very recent memory for him. Now, we've discussed many times before how you see in the New Testament, not just in Revelation, but also in the Gospels, you see a prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem as revenge by God against the people of Israel. All right? You see that in the Olivet Discourse, you see that in the Parable of the Vineyard, you see that in a number of places in the Gospels, for example. Uh, that is surely what Melito was talking about, but he would be actually talking about more. As you might know from history... Um, there was not just one rebellion of the Jewish people against the Romans. There was actually multiple. And just about, depending on exactly when this was preached, there was 40 years before, 50 years before, a final destruction of Jerusalem. Have you ever heard of the Bar Kokhba Revolt? It was a Jewish revolt. And Rome was like, okay, this is enough. They expelled all the Jews from Jerusalem forbade circumcision, renamed the city, renamed the whole area, and was like, you're a problem, go away. Now, Jews survived, as we know. But Rome, one other, once again, big destruction. Melito, clearly, from reading this, looks at all of this, not just AD 70, which is what I think the New Testament is specifically looking forward to, but also, the things after. We would not focus quite as much on that. Theologically, all right. He uses so much language that we'd use, right? The discussion of the type. All right. This whole idea of saying, well, the Old Testament has something in it, and it's kind of shadowy and pointing towards the future. This is not a recent theological development. All right. You can see it in the New Testament, and you've got it here in Melito, where it's a central part of his understanding of Easter. All right. Easter Pascha is based on Pascha. All right. Pascha of old is a type of Pascha in the new. You might recall from that sermon, right? The angel of death as he went through Egypt, was he really turned away from the sheep by the sheep's blood? He's like, no, not really. He was turned away because of what the sheep's blood signified. Not a dead animal, But the death of the Lord in the future, that is what turned away the angel of death from the the Israelites. And so that there is very central to his sermon, and that is very central to our ideas. What is Easter? When we talk about Easter, and we think about this celebration, we should not separate it from Old Testament Pascha. We should connect the two. Melito clearly connected the two, as you can see. Jesus, on purpose, died on Pascha, not some other festival. He died on Pascha, as we've discussed before, right? He died on Pascha. Well, what's the point of Pascha? Well, the point of Pascha was to remember this is when God delivered his people. All right? What's the point of Jesus dying on Pascha? This is when God delivered his people. Same message. Difference is one's the type and one's the fulfillment. The Lamb is a type, Christ is the fulfillment. Right? Pharaoh is a type. Who's Pharaoh a type of? The devil. All right? And of death. Right? Death comes and takes the firstborn. All right? Jesus deprives death of its firstborn. So says Meletus. So you've got in there our theology, 1,850 years ago. You should totally read it. It's online. You can find it for free. You also see very clearly in this sermon who Jesus was. Jesus was God. It came out in multiple ways. Uh, Some of the theology of the sermon, we would look back and go, okay, this is not exactly Nicene in several ways. There are a few things I left out. But generally speaking, yes. Christ is God. And one thing that we often don't spend as much time on, which he also spent time in a sermon, which totally makes sense. Why was a Pascha needed? Right? Why did Christ have to die? Because of the sin of Adam. Right? The sin of Adam that came upon all men, that messed all of them up, which messed up all of their affections, all their desires, which left them in the bondage of sin. This is what Easter is about, actually. Right? The type of the Old Testament is seen in the reality of the New, and in the reality of the New, we know that death and resurrection is a solution, not to just, not to like, you know, slavery in Egypt, right? But to slavery of sin. He knew that, and that was a central point. A long section. Within his servant. So Pascha happened. We try all of this back to the curse of sin. And we should also tie all of this back to the Exodus. Exodus was a type of delivery from slavery. And that is what Easter is about. Christ was killed for us to provide a way so that we could be saved from slavery, not from Egypt from our sin. Melito Sardis. Go read it. Yourself. I had to cut off a few things for time. Worth pondering. Any thoughts or questions before we dismiss? Yes?
1: I think it's helpful you know, sometimes when you talk to people they'll say that they, they think Jesus is real but the Bible has been corrupted over time and people changed it to fit whatever it was they wanted to advance in the moment. And then my, what our argument should be after reading stuff like this is, okay, if that happened, it happened a long, long time ago, like within decades after the death of Jesus. Yeah. Because what you're saying has been changed. You can read sermons from people from 1,850 years ago that line up with what's in the Bible now.
0: Yeah.
1: I think for Christians it should it should be a help to us. It should. That the the central problem that people have is that they don't believe the scriptures. They say surely they didn't walk across on dry ground. That's impossible. And what we're saying is it is impossible except God did it. It's the truth.
0: Yes. Indeed. Let's be dismissed, Fully. Let's go next door. And let's worship some more. You pray for us, Leah.
1: together to worship you. I thank you for this reminder of um, all that you've done for us. I pray that you would help us to have joy in the resurrection today and that we would um, live with the knowledge that this, this is true and this really happened. I um, pray that you would help us to worship you in spirit and truth today.